Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of When Opportunity Knocks. I'm your host, Nancy O'Keefe, and today I'd like to ask the question, why haven't women made more progress in the workplace? You know, over the last 40 years, we have seen women go to college more than ever, start businesses at a higher rate than men, and move into areas of the workforce that were really not open to them in the past. Most jobs when I graduated from high school and started out in the business world were in the typical female professions. Uh, You could be a secretary, you could be a teacher, a nurse, a homemaker, and maybe a few other things. But it was never even considered that you would go into some fields that were really primarily filled with men. I did a primary survey recently and learned from about 300 women that were surveyed that most women feel that there still isn't enough opportunity. It's scarce. They feel like they're not seen, not heard, and not taken seriously in the workforce. And that prevailing attitude that existed 40 years ago that a woman goes out and gets a job And it's sort of a temporary state of affairs. She's just out there working until she gets married or uh, until she has a baby or something of that nature. It's just not true, but that perception does still exist out there. And it's very sad that in all of the time that we've had no discrimination laws uh, based on sex and age and so on, that we haven't seen women really rise to the top in professions or even increase their ability to earn more money because we know that they're still making only 80 cents on the dollar. And actually that figure is on the high side because if you look at certain areas of the country or certain demographics, women are making as little as 56 cents on the dollar. And that is just not right, especially if you're doing the same work. So what's going on? I mean, we have a lot of talk about this. And we did in the 70s enact laws. Women went to work because we had double-digit inflation and because there were, you know, no, there was no way that you could afford to buy a home uh, when the prices went up on one income. And that still exists today. Wages have not risen and kept up with the other costs in our world. So women are out there in a permanent way. This is not a repeat of what happened during World War II with Rosie the Riveter when we went to work because men went to war, and when men came back from war, women went back into the homes. This is a situation where women need to work. And more and more women are staying single longer, getting married later, or not at all. So this is a problem that has to be addressed. So let's think about it a little bit. Women are 
basically second-class citizens in the workplace. Why is that? We talk about it as being a gender issue. We talk about the fact that perhaps there's a lack of opportunity. And we talk about the wage gap issue. But let's think about it this way. What if those are just symptoms and they're not really the real issues? It's easy to blame our problems on those types of things. Glass ceiling is another one that we can talk a lot about. But if they're symptoms and there's really an underlying cause that maybe we could solve, wouldn't that be an interesting thing to talk about? So during this episode, I'm going to kind of lay the groundwork for that conversation. And over the next couple of episodes on When Opportunity Knocks, I'm going to bring in some guests to talk about their experiences in the workplace over the years. And we're just going to explore this issue a little bit. So if it's not a gender issue and it's not a lack of opportunity because we hear consistently in certain industries that there are not enough qualified employees skills they need to land the jobs that are available. Technology is one of those industries. Healthcare is another one. So if it's not a wage gap issue, what is it? Could it possibly be about choosing to be independent and embodying those values Could it possibly be about skills? Maybe we don't have enough women with the skills they need to fall into these positions and do well. Maybe we don't have enough skills to really allow us to earn a good living. And maybe it's about taking responsibility for ourselves, really knowing what we want and going after it. Women are great at taking care of everyone else. And we enjoy that role, but often we put ourselves second or even last. And sometimes we don't stop to think about what we want because we're so busy taking care of others and making sure they get what they want. But you can't play a supportive role in your own life. You've got to step up and take responsibility for what you want. So it's really possibly about taking responsibility for yourself. Let's explore that a little bit more. So if the question is independent or dependent, then are we looking for an outside solution to a problem that is really based internally? Let's look at some information about women and marriage, as an example. You know, we've all kind of grown up, at least in my generation, with the what I call the Cinderella syndrome. You're going to find Prince Charming, and you're going to get married, and life's a fairy tale, and you're going to live happily ever after. Well, the sad fact is that 54% of those fairy tale marriages end in divorce. 54%. That means there are 54% of the women that are going to be forced to be able to get out there and earn a living as a single person. So everybody needs to have an opportunity to get the skills they need so that they can do that if they need to. 
Now, I know when you're young, it seems like you're invincible and nothing could possibly happen to you. But let me just share with you a little bit about my my story, just one person, and how this played a a huge fact in my life. I was um, married very early, married my high school sweetheart, and before I was 20, I was divorced. I was one of those 54%. I was fortunate enough to to meet another man who was a wonderful man, and I was remarried again by about 22. But unfortunately, by the time I was 38, that love of my life was um, had health issues and was in a situation where he passed away. He had a massive heart attack. Here one day, gone the next. 38, two children. I worked. Because during the 70s, a lot of us had to go to work because of the uh, cost of homes and inflation. But I didn't have much of a job. I was um, really just a administrative assistant. And I didn't make very much money. When I first went to work, I think I made $85 a week. So even though I made more than that when he passed away, it was very difficult to see basically almost three quarters of the household income just be gone like overnight two kids to support a house a mortgage I had to do something quick I didn't have a choice I didn't even have time to think about it I didn't even have time to grieve I just had to scramble to figure out how I was going to manage everything and I was lucky because even without a lot of skills I was able to get myself into a position that paid better still not where I was but um You know, I sold baskets and pottery and makeup and whatever I could do to make ends meet. I wasn't prepared. Who would have thought that at 38 years old, you would be widowed? Just unheard of. That's something that might happen to people when they're older, maybe in their 70s, 60s, somewhere in that vicinity, but certainly not in your 30s. So if I had been better prepared with more skills and able to quickly or already be in a job that paid better, it wouldn't have been such a devastating effect on my household and my family. You know, I'm happy to report we were able to pull it out of the fire. And um, I did go back to school and I was able to increase my income quite a bit. So I was able to send both of my kids to college and they're very happily married on their own today with their own families, and it all worked out okay. But like I said, I was lucky. Let's look at another aspect of independent or dependent, and this is one that might not have such a happy ending. Here's a statistic that I came across that I found just really startling. The number of Americans killed in Afghanistan and Iraq between 2001 and 2012 were 6,488. The number of American women murdered by their partners between 2001 and 2012 was 11,766. That is a startling number. Those men and women killed in Afghanistan and Iraq fought for freedom and independence. And yet there are so many women that are not free, are not independent, 
and are being abused. Over 4.5 million women are victims of physical domestic violence by a partner. A woman is beaten every nine seconds. Every nine seconds. One in four women will suffer physical domestic violence in her lifetime. I had a friend who had a horrible situation. She was married to a police officer, and they lived in a small town. And he was very, very jealous. Every time she went anywhere, he followed her. And um, her life was, was one filled with domestic abuse, mostly of the emotional variety. And she was basically stalked by her own husband. And because he was, um, you know, in law enforcement in their small town, she couldn't go anywhere for help. There was just nowhere for her to get help. It ended very, very badly. He ended up killing her and one of their children. It was a very, very sad story. And it hit me very hard because how many of us know some Buddy, that has happened to not too many of us. And it's just gut-wrenching to see that we have this in our society today. And it's alarming to think that women feel like or have no way out. And maybe if there was some more financial independence, ability to earn their own living and not be stuck in a situation where they have to depend on someone they really don't want to be with, we could help to eliminate some of the domestic violence situations. Women could have a way out and a way to be safe and on their own. Independent or dependent? Let's look at another statistic. Poverty. There were 12 million single parent households in the United States in 2014, and 81% of them were headed by women. And here's the really rough part. 45% of the single women headed households live below the poverty level. 45%. Half. Half. And I was actually one of those women in a single household that was living below the poverty level. So any stereotypes that we have around women that are on welfare or whatever, um, there's a lot of women out there who need help, who have situations that occurred that were completely random, out of their control, um, surprised by, just, you know, not expecting. Life didn't go the way they thought it would. And you'd be very surprised to find those people in your own community. I belong to an organization. We had a speaker on domestic violence recently. And she was a, a great lady, very bright, lots of, lots of um, talent. And she found herself in a bad situation. And it was very difficult for her to get out and get on her feet, get a job that paid enough to support her family and the style she wanted to. It was a long road and it took a lot of courage, not only for her to get out, but to get down that path. And it also took a lot of courage for her to come and speak before our group and tell her story. But she lived in a very affluent town, privileges growing up. It can happen in any economic sector. 
It can happen to any one of your neighbors. It could happen to any one of you. So we really need to be thinking about this issue in terms of getting ourselves to a point where we can take responsibility for our lives, earn a living, and allow ourselves to be gainfully employed without the the need of help from anyone else. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And then we'll talk about some of the things that we might be able to do about it. Are you tired of playing small in business or in your career? What could you accomplish if you were seen, heard, and given the opportunity? If you want more influence, more impact, and more income, join us at Women's Leadership U. That's the letter U. We are a mastermind program dedicated to preparing women for leadership roles. Learn the skills that employers are looking for and business owners need. Gain the confidence and know how to move your ideas into action. To learn more, visit us at womensleadershipu.com with a capital U. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to step into all of your greatness, to release the confidence that lies within, to stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network International Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year on August 4th through the 7th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Our world-renowned speakers will teach, inspire, and motivate you to greater heights. Plus, the food, the fun, and entertainment at the best party in town will rock all of your senses. Look, no one makes it alone. So it's time to stop trying to be the COE, the chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. The eWomen Network Conference is the perfect place to make that happen. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back. We're talking about why women haven't made more progress in the workplace. And we've laid out some pretty depressing facts about where women stand. Now let's talk about what we can do about it and maybe why we haven't done as much about it as we can. The first point I'd like to make is that we need to be willing to take a risk. There are some very strong stereotypes and social norms out there in our society about women what our roles should be, and it's very hard to break away from those social norms. When you go against the grain in anything, the going is tough. You're really a pioneer, and it's difficult to be different in our society. The workplace can be harsh. When you want to advance, there can be a lot of strife that you have to go through. You can take a lot of ridicule. You can be looked at as being too aggressive. And those things make it difficult to be liked and accepted. They can be a powerful decision maker for you subconsciously because we all want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be respected and accepted. And sometimes when you take a path that's different, you are, you know, an anomaly that people find difficult to accept or they feel threatened by or they're wondering, you know, is their job in jeopardy or are you going to be coming after what they do or making it so they have to step up and do something they don't really feel like they want to do. 
It's difficult to be innovative. It's difficult to be a leader because it carries responsibility. But we have to make choices that put us in situations where we can progress. A career takes a lot of effort. It's not nine to five. There's a lot of things you have to do outside of the workplace to make it. Let me tell you how many hours I spent with books in my lap at the dinner table or while my kids were doing homework because I was trying to get more skills and advance myself so that I could earn a better living. And I have to do it all while taking care of all the other demands on my time, helping with homework, cooking the meals, doing the laundry, cleaning the house. I had to do everything. And it's not just about me. There's so many women in that situation. I remember once um, I got to be a very good multitasker. I was um, cooking breakfast for my kids at the same time doing dishes, uh, doing some homework, making a list for groceries. It was just crazy how many things I could do at once. And my day stretched well into the wee hours of the morning. After the kids were in bed, that's when I had to do the dusting. Couldn't do the vacuuming because I'd wake them up. But um, I was doing laundry, folding laundry. I hardly ever got to bed until after the late show. Watched a lot of Jay Leno. And in the morning, I had to be up at 5 because I had to get everybody ready for school, get myself ready for work, take the long commute. It was a long, long day, but it could be done. You know, you can do anything in the short term to get where you need to go. You can. It just takes determination, and it takes perseverance. And I had a little extra something. I had, like, no other option. If you have an option, sometimes it's a little harder to stick to it and have that determination and perseverance over the period of time that you need to have it. It is hard, but you've got to do it. You've just got to do it. You can't play it safe. You can't play small. You can't settle. You've got to get out there. It's your job to be gainfully employable for all of your life. You need to take responsibility for the fact that you may have a family to support, either partially or fully. So having... A plan B is great, but it's not the primary goal. You've got to be able to be the breadwinner. So let's take a look at another point. Women aren't often decisive, and they don't like to make choices. There are tough choices to be made around this. In many cases, I see women not making any choices because it's easier to not make a choice than make a choice. But it is very <laughs> tempting to believe that that story tale of that fairy tale, rather that storybook life that we've all been led to believe can happen to us. You know, we love to be in love. Isn't romance great? It is. It's a, it's the most amazing feeling to meet someone you love and um, picture what your life is going to be like. We all do it, and, and it's, there's nothing better than being in love. But being in love requires that you find somebody that has the same values that you do and that you 
craft a life together that includes what you both want. I see a lot of women who get married and then it's all about what their husband wants, supporting him in his career. And, hey, that's being a good partner. Nothing wrong with that. But what about what we want? Where do we set down a list of things that we want? So many times women go through their life taking care of their whole family, putting themselves last, and then we have something that's called empty nest syndrome. There's even a name for it. All of a sudden, everybody's grown and gone, and now what? Many women struggle at that point of their life to sort of find themselves. And I say, find yourself first. Find yourself early in your life. And then grow yourself. Be good at cultivating yourself. It's not a win-lose situation. When you take care of you, you're helping to take care of your family as well. When you put yourself in the back seat, you're really shortchanging yourself. So we need to stop believing wholeheartedly in the storybook fairy tale. We need to know ourselves really well, what we want, what we stand for, what excites us, what makes us passionate. On the Internet, I've seen a funny saying that says um, something like, when mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. And that is really true. You can be a better wife, a better mother, a better worker, a better person when you're satisfied in your own life and feeling fulfilled and happy. So I think a lot of women struggle with what they really want. We know the social norms tell us what we're supposed to want. But how many of us actually explore what we really want, really, really, really want? I think we've been taught that that is a little selfish and we shouldn't be thinking in that way. I say, yes, we should. Let's think that way. Let's get what we want. There's nothing that says we all can't have what we want. I think as women, we also accept what we're told too readily. We accept what we're told too readily. We settle. When people say this is the way it's going to be, okay, we don't question it. We make we make it work. We're very adaptable. We make things flow. We know how to smooth it out and make it great for everyone. And we know how to put up with things. We're just very reluctant to put ourselves first. It's viewed as selfish and we don't want to be seen that way. Again, getting back to the fact that we want to be liked and accepted. That's very, very important to us for some reason. Hey, I like to be liked too, but I want to be happy first. So choosing what other people think and what other people want over choosing what you think and what you want, is that an area we need to explore and take a look at, do something about? I think we could do a lot of thinking around that and maybe discover some things are not as good as they should be for us. And here's the third point I'd like to make. I've been in business for a long time, longer than I care to admit on radio, but I've watched a lot of women in the workplace. I've managed women. I've been a business owner. I've hired women. And women can be their own worst enemy. Women sabotage themselves. I see it all the time in the language they use in things they talk about, in again, in that way of needing to be liked by others and having that be almost like the number one important thing in their life. 
But worse, I see women sabotage other women. I see women treat other women poorly so they can't get ahead. Or not. I've seen groups of women even not talk to other women because they were on the rise. Women don't understand competition. Competition is about competing to win, like in a sporting event. Not competing so others will lose. And that's the kind of competition I often see women playing in in the workforce. You know, we don't have a strong network of contacts in high places as women. So we've got to cultivate that. We've got to be in a position when there are women that rise to senior level positions, they need to be mentors. They need to, you know, help pull other women up. There are too few women mentors. We're just so concerned about our own positions that we are reluctant to help others. I I don't really understand why that is, but I see it a lot. If you do well and you help someone else along, it doesn't mean you're not going to continue to do well. Why do we think that's a win-lose situation? In reality, if you want to advance anywhere in your career, the best strategy that you can use is to be looking for and training your replacement. Because in a, if you're good at what you do, an employer is going to be reluctant to let you move up or anywhere if there isn't somebody who can fill your shoes in a way that's... So you'll help your career by bringing other women along, by working side by side, even in your own time, on off hours to help get them up to speed on what you do and the skills you have so that when the time comes and there is an opportunity, you'll be ready to move up. And oh, by the way, you need to be getting some of your own new skills. People don't get promoted just because, you know, hey, you're number 10, you're next in line. You've got to earn the position by cultivating your skills and your experiences so that you have what it takes to get to the next level. The path to real progress for women, I think, is to look at life in this way. Everyone's job is to be gainfully employable. And skills and and the ability to earn a living make you marketable. Marketability gives you money and independence. Money and independence is where you have real choices in life. And real choices contribute to how you feel about yourself. It's a positive impact on your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-confidence. And how you feel about yourself contributes greatly to your quality of life. And your quality of life is what truly gives you happiness. That's a simple path to take. Skills give you marketability. Marketability gives you money and independence. Independence and money give you real choices in life. Real choices determine how you feel about yourself. Are you stuck in a rut or do you see all the possibilities? How you feel about yourself impacts your quality of life and your quality of life determines your happiness. 
Now listen, if you, just, if you find a partner with the same values to get down your path with you, great. But it should be your path. Your path jointly, not the other guy's path. And if you decide to leave the workforce to raise children, awesome. My daughter did that. She was an accomplished project manager. And when they decided to have a family, she left the workforce. She's been out of the workforce now for six or seven years. They have two beautiful children. And she is determined to raise them and stay home. She was a latchkey kid because I had to go to work and on a very full-time basis to support the family. She has the, the good fortune to be able to choose something different. But that doesn't mean that you it eliminates your responsibility for taking care of yourself. Actually, it adds to it. Because now, in addition to taking care of yourself, you need to be an active partner and, and able to take care of your whole family, too. And I'm all for staying home with kids. I think that the studies bear out the fact that it's better for kids to be nurtured and at home than to have two working parents. If you can afford to do that, I think it's great. And in the, in, you know, the case of um, people I know, they have to plan to be able to do that by saving some money um, or cutting back right before the, um, Woman uh, quits her job in order to have children and so on. You know, just thinking about all this, I've come up with five basically things or five steps you need to take in order to improve your situation and and put yourself uh, in a position where you're independent rather than dependent. And I hope that the point has been made that being independent doesn't mean being alone, not being married, not being in a relationship. It just means you can take care of yourself. If you choose to go down your path with someone else, wonderful. That's a choice I made. I'm in another relationship for uh, quite a few years now, almost 15 years, and we have a great life together. So here are the five steps I think you need to take to make sure that you're on the independent side. First of all, and I've alluded to this several times, you need to put yourself first. I like that term that they, uh, I've heard other people use it too, and when you're on an airplane flight and the flight attendant says, your oxygen mask is going to drop down, make sure you put your own on first before you help others. And that's really the essence of this. Put your own oxygen mask on first. The second step, second thing you need to do is invest in yourself with a strong foundation of skills. That's so important. Really mapping out what you need to have to continue to be marketable in a very fast-paced, changing world of work and business is key to being gainfully employed for life. The third thing is you need to understand your value. You need to understand what you do, what it's worth, who needs what you have, and you need to know how to talk about it. Basically, market yourself. If you do leave the workforce to have a family, and at some point you decide to come back, this is a critical, critical skill that you need to have. The world will change dramatically, the world of work, while you're at home raising your family. And if you decide to go back into it, 
a lot of women really struggle with that because things have changed so dramatically and you need to really understand where you fit in, maybe get some new skills and understand who needs what you have and how to market yourself to get a a good position. The fourth thing is stop waiting for opportunity. We sit around and wait for opportunity. Opportunity rarely falls in your lap. Now, it can happen. But for the most part, you've got to be aware of what's out there and spot your own opportunity and then go after it. Or maybe make your own opportunity, as many people who start businesses do. And finally, know what you want and be willing to ask for it and go for it. Even if it means you're taking a path that's not a well-traveled one, don't settle. Don't settle. I'm a coach, and I'm in the process of adding some new services to my coaching. As an executive coach, I'm starting to focus on helping women understand their value in the marketplace and increase their earning power. I recently put up a new website at www.nancyokeefecoach.com. There's a lot of resources out on that website to help you. So if any of this discussion has resonated with you, I would invite you to go out to my website. There's a lot of free downloadable resources out there that you can get to start thinking about all of these issues for yourself. Don't be caught off guard like I was. Don't make your road any harder than it has to be. Life throws a lot of curveballs at us. No one is exempt from that, and my case is certainly not unique. But what I've learned from my situation is that being prepared is the most important thing you can do for yourself. Knowing what you want and being prepared. If you want to take a different path in life, go for it. No one should be able to judge or dictate what you do with your life. It's your life. You're the primary star. You're the leading lady. Don't take a supporting role in your own life. Get out there and get what you want, get what you deserve, and have a great, fulfilling lifetime. Visit my website, www.nancyokeefecoaching.com. Check out those free resources, and I hope they help you in some way. Thanks for listening to me today. And when you find opportunity, when opportunity knocks for you, you'll be ready. This is the EWN Radio Network.